Hello and welcome to the Rules of Acquisition podcast where we go through every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine and then some. And this, well, this is and then some because uh, right now with me as not always is not James Nolan nor Hugh Crawford, though we will hear from them very shortly. It's just me right now in this intro. My name is Wade Bowen. And yeah, we'd love hearing all your calls. Give us a call at 917-408-3898. And this is an episode about how we can't shut the fuck up because we (laughs) love hearing from you and we just can't fit everything in. As you may well know, we run on for a while and then we've got such good material from you guys that sets us off and we go off on tangents. And it's kind of hard to figure out how to fit all it all in sometimes. And so now this is... The sink is overflowing, and this is, I've put a bucket, except this isn't backwash. This is, like, good shit that we've gotten thrown to you, and the metaphor is just totally crumbling around me. I'm, I'm sorry about that. Oh, fuck me. Anyways, this is a great episode. we got some longer discussions here from Kate, and then we've got uh, another email here from Austin, and then we have us talking about stuff, which I suppose is what a podcast is. Yeah, I think I'm pretty safe in that assessment. Y'all know what a podcast is, obviously. So anyways, yes, if you haven't heard your voicemail, if you called in the show and you're like, what's wrong with those assholes? Why don't they play my amazing call? They don't know good taste of it. Anyways, if you haven't heard your call, wait up, wait for it. It's just, you know, it takes time and to do this stuff and, you know, how it is. Uh, anyways, but maybe I should just shut the hell up and get onto the podcast that you want to hear us discussing instead of Wade monologuing to himself like a crazy person. But anyway, okay. And I think we'll just jump right into it. Okay, here we go. Oh, and, and we've got an, another uh, voicemail here from... Kate, All right. uh, who we've heard from before, who we've been big fans of. So Kate has some thoughts about things, and we'll just jump into it. Sounds great. Hi, it's Kate again. Sorry it's taken me so long to send this voicemail. I got a bit behind in listening to the podcast, and the more episodes I listen to, the more I have that I wanted to say. And so I'm finally sitting down to plan all of this out. I'm trying this recording thing and sending it in. Um, first of all, in response to what you had to say about my last email, I totally agree that Space Pope is really fun to say. And I definitely say it myself. I'll probably keep saying it. Um, and I think you hit the nail on the head when you pointed out that the Bajorans are a little underdeveloped as a culture on the show. I was a bit sad at first when you guys said that because the Bajorans are my favorite Star Trek aliens by far. But then I realized that you're actually right and I've probably just spent a lot more time thinking about Bajoran culture and putting together what we do know about them and building off that in my head. I've found the Bajorans compelling ever since they were first introduced in The Next Generation, mostly because I loved Ro Laren and Cedo Jaxa, the Bajoran ensign from Lower Decks. After I met Kira and watched the really good early Bajor episodes like Duet and Necessary Evil, I was all in. So I usually end up liking Bajoran religion episodes for the world-building details, even when they're a little bit boring. As you might imagine, I enjoyed the episode Destiny a lot. I agree with pretty much all your criticisms, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about that. But I do think the episode has some nice character moments for Sisko and Kira, 
and we finally get to dig a little deeper into their relationship with each other and how Kira sometimes struggles with Sisko being both her boss and a religious figure. You can really see in Kira and Sisko's scenes together how far they've come since the beginning of season one. They're able to have respectful disagreements while still being supportive of each other and working together. I agree with what you guys said about the emissary stuff getting dropped for too long, but I do appreciate this episode for moving that part of the plot forward a little bit. And I do like the way this Cisco as emissary story plays out later on in the show. I also really like this episode for the Cardassians. Um, I, I like the Miles plot a lot, um, but you guys pretty much covered that. I don't really have anything else to say about it. But I love the scientists who show up. They're very different from any Cardassians that we've met before. They're not politicians. They're not part of the military at all. They're not spies, except for that one lady. And their main job is to work with and to get along with the Federation people and the Bajorans around them. I loved watching their interactions with Kira in particular. I liked how all of them seemed a little awkward at first, and Kira was clearly kind of thrown by having a normal, friendly conversation with a Cardassian. But none of the conflict in the episode is based on Kira having anything against the Cardassians as individuals, which was nice. I also liked seeing some more Cardassian women, since I think there's only been one on the show before this, or maybe two if you count the recording of Ileana in Second Skin. And about Cardassian generals, uh, they do seem to be fairly strict, but they don't quite match 20th century Earth gender roles, which, you know, is interesting and, like, lets the show play with those kind of things. The military seems to be almost exclusively male, and the Obsidian Order definitely has female agents, like the woman in this episode, and Ileana Gamore, but it's impossible to tell how many there are. And as we learn in this episode, the scientists are dominated by women. The sciences are dominated by women. <laughs> There's also an aspect of Cardassian culture that's discussed more in the books. Yes, I've read a couple of DSI novels, <laughs> but it does have a basis in the show, which is that Cardassians place a lot of importance on childbearing for women. We know from the episode Cardassians that children are extremely important, but only one's own biological children. Orphans, like the kids left behind on Bajor, are basically left to fend for themselves, so I'm guessing adoption isn't really considered a valid choice for Cardassians who are unable to have children. Also, Dukat is married and has like seven kids, but he spent most of his time during the occupation on Bajor, and they weren't with him, which suggests to me that Cardassians value large families and that Cardassian women are expected to stay on their homeworld to raise the kids and are discouraged from joining the military. Uh, that's basically all just speculation but i think it's interesting okay so a couple thoughts there's a lot to there's a lot to there's a lot to cover in that yeah yeah uh, well i mean i just i think it's good that she can just get a lot of that stuff like it's good to hear her perspective oh yeah i love especially since she's read the books which we oh yeah we joked about kate getting a book deal as a result of her <laughs> as her insights yeah you know kate's great i really enjoy hearing from kate she has got a lot of good points about stuff that mm. maybe we don't cover and yeah and there's sort of a i mean she, what she's getting on is the the most interesting things of the show yeah uh, is that you're dealing with these culture clashes in a way that star trek only did like tangentially before you know you you have vulcans and humans but that's really Spock and the cast of the Enterprise. It's not really like Vulcans writ large interacting with right. bones or, yeah, you know. So I think that the good thing, the great thing about the show is that you have Bajoran culture and the Cardassian culture 
and it's both an asset, but it's also like you can see when the writers aren't working it up to snuff, it's its absence is, is right. stronger right. felt. You Would know? you call Bajoran culture like one of your favorite cultures or um, like I uh, mean, Kate does? I, I mean, it's I like them because the, the stakes are very high for them. They're higher for them mm-hmm. because they're coming from like from episode one. They're coming at a severely disadvantaged place. So to see where like, yeah. They're the only culture in a show that could have like a, a series long arc. Yeah. They start at the bottom and you and to see where they end up is, is sort of interesting. I could see they're like Drake. Yeah. <laughs> they're like one of the most like unabashedly humanly adjacent cultures that we get. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything's yeah. a human culture in Star Trek. It's always something or other, you know, from the half black, half white aliens in the original series. Yeah. <laughs> it's always a con- but I mean, in in some ways, it's it's not as grotesque as that. But it's also just like obvious. Mm-hmm. It's not like a reach because they're just they're just they're just humans with shit on their face. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they're humans. But th- that's the thing is that I would like to know in how their ways they're not like. I like that. Well, I've said, I think I've said this before is that the Bajorans never had like a caretaker writer. Um, if you're asking me like what my favorite race is on Star Trek, it's the Klingons as developed by Ronald E. Moore. Yeah. And the last few seasons of Next Generation with the rise of Martok and the like the, the rebuilding of the House of Moog and all of that stuff. And then what we're about to get into in season four and on mm-hmm. in this show. Because I'm going to, I was going to call you a lying cuck there, James, because you've said on the podcast <laughs> that your favorite race was the Romulans. I and, do love the Romulans. And so I love, I'm, I'm calling you a liar whenever. and all your, all your arguments <laughs> are, 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 are not worth shit because, because you're foolish, salacious and lies. It's like and, whenever I ask my two-year-old what's his favorite color and he starts naming all the colors. <laughs> <laughs> all your credibility is just shot, James. I'm sorry. <laughs> Time to end the podcast. I'm sorry, Tom, from... <laughs> no, of course I don't agree with that. It's like, yeah, when my daughter says that mom, her mom's her favorite parent, and I go, not me, and she goes, you're my favorite, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, no. Yeah, your daughter I, knows how to work the system. I mean... I am thrilled by God. Romulans. Romulans haven't been treated the best no, yeah. by the writing history. So I think that I am... Super intrigued by Romulans. I think that they're yeah. Klingons are great, but Klingons are developed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and great. So they win. I'm not actually arguing any of the other points. Oh, I know. (laughs) You know, I love you too. You're sharp. You're making me sharpen my point here, and I'm, 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 yes, that's a good thing. Then she also mentioned the. She talked a lot about destiny and the Emirates series stuff. Oh yeah, Cardassian women. Oh yeah. There, there was. It was Quark's woman in the not Quark's woman. That's offensive. There was the the Casablanca episode, and then there was a Tribunal episode. Yeah, and then there was also a female Cardassian somewhere in TNG. Someone reminded me at some point. Yeah, but that's about it. They are kind of underplayed. But I'm just impressed that she read the books. <laughs> okay, yeah, I am edging. We're I am like edging closer and closer. We might be as a podcast might have to do something book related sometime in the future, Kate. So. Keep your eyes and ears out for that. Mm-hmm. Something, something might happen. That's all I'm saying. Just tease, just teasing. Yeah, head. yeah. Okay. All right, and we have another one from Kate. Oh my God. Okay, that first voicemail was six minutes long, which is crazy. So okay, I'm I stopped the <laughs> I stopped the track, and I have a little bit more to say. So I'm just gonna, but it's not as nearly as much. So it shouldn't take us long. 
hopefully. Okay, I also <laughs> want to talk about Heart of Stone a little bit. Um, I love the Nog mm. plot. It's great. I don't really have anything to say about it. So I'm just going to jump into talking about Kira and Odo. I have to confess, I am one of those Kira Odo shippers. But I use the term shipper here kind of loosely. I like the romantic relationship. But honestly, if the show had kept their relationship platonic while still making it a major part of the story, I wouldn't have been that upset. Part of what I like about them, and this ties into my love of Bajor and flashbacks and episodes dealing with the occupation, is their shared history. Not only did they know each other before Sisko arrived on the station, they both have these shared experiences of living on Bajor during the occupation and a shared knowledge of Bajoran culture. Odo may not actually be Bajoran, and he clearly feels somewhat out of place in humanoid society no matter where he is, but he did grow up, if you can call it that, on Bajor, and that's the culture he has the most experience with. He also works for the Bajoran government since he's part of their military. Maybe he even has Bajoran citizenship or something like that. With Kira and Odo, I love how well they know each other. You see it in this episode, Heart of Stone, when Odo immediately realizes he's talking to an imposter when the changeling says something out of character for Kira, and how much they trust and respect each other. Even back at the beginning of the show, neither of them, when neither of them trusted the Federation officers. They have a connection that goes back farther and runs deeper than their relationships with the other characters, but the show also sometimes brings out the conflicts inherent in that relationship. Odo lives through part of the occupation as neither a Bajoran nor a Cardassian, and even though the Bajorans seem to accept him for the most part, he still worked for the Cardassians. He wasn't really a collaborator because he wasn't Bajoran, and they considered him a neutral and fair party on Terraknor, but it's probably still a little awkward sometimes. We get to see him struggle with that unnecessary evil, which is maybe my favorite episode of the entire show and the one that really got me interested and invested in this relationship. And it also comes up in the episode Things Past, which I can't really talk about because you guys haven't gotten there yet, but that's another one I really like. Um, so I don't, overall, I don't think the Odo Cure shift is perfectly executed over the course of the entire show. There's, you know, I have some issues with how it's portrayed at certain points, but in general, they have one of my favorite relationships in DS9 romantic or otherwise. Um, yeah, so that's about all I have for now. Sorry that took so long. Thank you for listening. All right. So what if what if the relationship was kept platonic? Um, I, that's almost a more interesting situation for me. Yeah. Here's why I'm almost, I almost wonder, I mean, this is spoiler, but I think it's interesting enough to go into because they, whatever. But like a platonic relationship would have been fine, but he is isolated. So you still get the feeling that he's lonely at the end. Wherein even great male, I'm trying to think of great male-female platonic relationships on shows. And I'm not coming up with any, but I assume they exist. Um, <laughs> uh, um, um, I'll, I'll get back to you yeah. next week. <laughs> uh, but but you still have the idea that they could, that they're going to fuck somebody. Like they could fuck somebody else. I don't think that with Odo. You think that uh, outside of, you know, Majel Barrett, there's not. Like, if they just had this great platonic kinship, you would still think that she's going to go off and fuck most of the major pivotal 
like leaders of the Bajorans. I think she and, and he, he's gonna stay and be lonely. Kate brings up a point about how this is this storyline or this relationship, without getting into spoiler territory, is mishandled over the course of the series. Yeah, like, yeah, the question is like, I mean, the thing that like is Odo too different to want? Is it a problem if Odo doesn't want to fuck anybody? No, I, I don't not really because I doubt that they fuck. Like I doubt that they like. But you have this great link concept of these goo goo aliens that all sit together in a giant puddle and they they're eternal yes or are very close to it. like they're long-lived they probably don't have the same like animalian sexual impulses that right us meat or us meat alien uh, us meat people have yeah but they do in the sh- well, again, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Well, he does, though. I mean, this whole conversation spoiler talk, so let's well, do it. Here's the thing. Yeah. I think that she brings up a point about about the re- relationship entanglements in this show. And Star Trek as a institution mishandles these relationships for the rest, I mean, on down the line. The one in Voyager is even worse than, than the one in Deep Space Nine. And then the one in Enterprise is even worse well, than the one in Voyager, in my opinion, as far as... Yeah. Like, they've never well, quite get a good handle on how to handle these relationships over this, the course of a series. Well, I mean, is Star Trek... Is Star Trek just way too hung up on romantic relationships between the cast instead of... The original series had none. I know. They actually, in the reboot, they in the Kelvin reboot, they the make it. Yeah. Yeah. But like DS9 and this, well, the original series had none, but it was still kind of preoccupied with the men can only relate to women through kind of sexualization. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, there was a so, lot of sticky wickets for that original series. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The, the, which there is a, the, the, the original series is not unfamiliar with toxic masculinity. Yeah, which seems kind <laughs> of the same problem with the 90s Star Trek as well. We'll see how Discovery does. And But even the Kelvin universe, like, oh, we have all these men and women interactions, but we have to make them romantic and sexual. I would argue that the Crusher-Picard relationship, to the best of my memory... Was a deep platonic bond. That right? was a will they or won't they Sam and Diane type thing at, at yeah, some moments. Yeah, it totally was. It, until, until, like, until the writer... I it mean, felt like but, there was that, that intention for a while, and then eventually they just succumbed and was like, well, we have to play this up because everybody wants it. Okay, but like, okay. So let's let's like say it, that it like... It started off with Roddenberry with his newer ideals about... Well, and then they had the Riker and Troy who were a busted up relationship that yeah. eventually gets repaired. So... Right, but that, that was mm-hmm. after Roddenberry died and, and then the movies is when they really get them married and hitched again. Yeah. Yeah. But there's still that hanging and over. That, she went with Worf for a while. Yeah, at the, the end, end of the series, she's with Worf, and that was just weird. That was lost. <laughs> that, was, that was a lost weekend uh, for everything. Uh, yeah. I could get on board with the Worf Troy stuff, but. I don't, I mean, I, I, might, I love. I might be. I, I, might I, be I, love, a, I love Worf and all, uh, Worf yeah, and all of his, we'll his significant We'll be getting into Worf but, here pretty soon. Well, I felt yeah. about the Worf. Troy stuff the same way I used to feel about the Kira Odo stuff. All right. But it's I've and, and we're only in the third season so far and it's already setting up the Kira Odo stuff so I'm I'm less bothered by it than I was in the past. Also, I think that there the idea of making the relationship non-platonic is it creates like sort of an age thing with me, and I don't know if that's judgmental or not. I'm just being just, like I don't know. Just I based on the it. actors, kind but, of. But but just based on that, Renee Abergenois was 
not a young man when this show was made. And he's playing an ageless whatever. Like he's playing a role that doesn't conform to human ages. Nonetheless. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I bring that to the to bear. Where Kira is for the most part, I mean, I was, Nana Visitor was probably very young when the show was made, and is a as a character that's young. Right. And or in her prime, let's say. And so it does have like a strange like it's I guess, a, May December power dynamic. I d- thing I mean, that I'm willing to let that go just because the conceit of who the characters are. But yeah, me too. But at the same time, I've said earlier my favorite Odo ship. Him and Luxwana was the perfect. That's what made sense to me. And that seemed like uh, even and that's keel. even what the show set up in the in the Bible for the show. They were sh- kind of pushing that earlier too. And then did Luxana? they? Luxwana. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. I mean, we went back way back in season yeah, one. We, did, we yeah. read the show Bible for season one and mm-hmm. stuff. I don't know how much we talked about it on the podcast, but Luxwana is a bigger character in the show Bible than she is in the show because, and in the show Bible, it even points out that she's flirting with Odo this whole time. Yeah. So I don't know. That's weird. But, so they're treating, even, even the show is treating him like an older gentleman. Right. But and, I mean, so. go back to the Forsaken in season one, which. I think it's still my favorite Look Swana Troy episode. Oh yeah, yeah, no, that episode's surprisingly good. Maybe there'll be something, and yeah, it's she's like I said, she's always Pepe Le Pew and with Picard. Yeah, but there's some real like meat to that that episode in season one, which season one of DS Nine, season one of DS Nine is mostly shit. (laughs) Like I think we can all yeah 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 we're gonna like (laughs) minus duet. Which is one of the greatest Star Trek episodes yeah, ever. The pilot and duet and, are pretty much the only thing you could you could save uh, from that. The space pope up, the episode that introduces yeah, that's space true. pope. Yeah. Well, we could get into. Th- I mean, yeah, okay. th- those for, are three. You, you those are three. Yeah, we, white go album, listen to it uh, about season yeah. one. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's got Jonathan Banks in it, but uh, <laughs> it's got Jonathan Banks in that scene. Right, but yeah, mm-hmm. and the last thing I'll say about uh, Kate's voicemail was yeah, Necessary Evil was great. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was a good episode. Yeah. That was a, and that is sort of the foundation of their shipping, right? Yeah, I think so. They've yeah. dropped it. They've dropped a little bit of hints here and there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little moments. Also, and I, I don't know. Peter Allen like, Fields, my favorite guy. We won't talk about for the rest of the show. Yeah. Well, he writes one more episode. Yeah, he's credited, <laughs> and it's a doozy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But um, that episode, Necessary Evil, is maybe the only episode that shows us with a truly well-conceived, vulnerable Kira. And also like a like a like a cornered rat Kira. Like that for me in this rewatch, I don't think I would have everybody knows that I was I was highly, highly critical of her in the first season. And now i I have affinity for her. I think that episode, like I would be in I'd be interested to know how how little affinity, how much affinity I would have for her without that episode. Mm-hmm. Because I think that that was a pivotal episode in this rewatch for me into like sort of figuring out, oh, this is why I like this character. Yeah, yeah. And it's the only one that showed her in a certain, like you get to see her as like a, like a, like a primal sort of fear state and in a real vulnerable state and, and, and someone capable of doing some real violence. 
So that was really great. Second Skin kind of did that a little bit for me. That was later. Yeah, that's not a that's not a bad episode too. But I, I think that that's a put together. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's different. vulnerable, it's but it, she's more put together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. You're definitely seeing her at a low point, and that is rewarding. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. From a character perspective. All right. Uh, yeah. So thanks a lot, Kate. That was great uh, to hear from you. Yep. You are. Yeah, yeah. It's always great to hear. From yeah. Kate. It's always great to hear from all of you. Yeah, yeah. We love you all. <laughs> Uh, some some of our children we love equally more than others. But, uh, okay, so okay, yeah. I have um I would say that over the last couple of weeks Wade and James and I have uh, been texting about Babylon 5 since it's recently oh, come no. to uh, our attention that it's it's streaming on some site that I've never heard of here in America for free. You can google it if you want. But I I would like to send a call out to all of our listeners who are, who are familiar with Babylon 5 to call in with your Babylon 5 thoughts. Is it something that any one of us should visit? Is it something we should stay away from uh can you sum up babylon 5 in just like two sentences to give us all that we need to know i would say at this point <laughs> we are babylon 5 curious yes <laughs> but we're not like the we're not quite willing to go the full the full babylon 5 right. what do you guys have anything to add to that to something that people can call in about hugh crawford what have you done? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think from like an anthropology perspective, right. it's it's important to yeah, no. the show and it's as it was being released. Yeah, and what we've <laughs> talked about about, I mean, it's when we talk about this show as a prequel to the more serialized, you know, novelistic television and whatever. Mm-hmm. The deep st- the Babylon Five people will love to chirp up and say no hey babylon 5 did it first right but they didn't though though right like deep space 9 well deep space 9 started first technically right they released first it's that's where all the drama comes in it is pretty i i don't know i think if you look read the tiktok of it it seems pretty clear that Rick Berman stole the concept from J. Michael Straczynski. Well, that's those are strong words because it allegedly. could be somebody else. Those are strong. I, I will. I will. Allegedly. I, I will. Allegedly, the, I'm, the, I'm using strong was language. doing a deal with Straczynski to do this, and then they decided let's do it through Star Trek. Whether that was Berman deciding to do that or not, but there were contracts in place. They they were talking about doing it, and then talks fell apart, and it happened and they were like why can't we just take this concept yeah yeah and i mean but it's not like that necessarily that berman stole it directly there could have been some other suit in them and we don't know i'm just i just don't want to throw any defamation suits at us you are there's no (laughs) there's no reason to say that berman said i'm a thief i'm gonna steal this because he was busy with doing next generation stuff too and that's true but they they okay you're i think it's clear that probably someone at paramount did yeah I think there's that is my conjecture. I have no real. I'm. I'm. This is my. uh, If Alex Jones can say the shit he says on Infowars, I can say. Well, you know what? I don't want to be the Infowars of Star Trek podcast. You're right. You're right. You're right. But I. Okay. Okay. But on this, it seems like now. Does that Matt? Does that mean that we're almost there? Can you scream about the turning the fucking frogs gay? (laughs) But uh. 
Okay, you're right. Okay. So I wish all have... the Pepe's would turn gay. No, sorry. <laughs> turn on fucking Pepe's gay. Um, you're okay. That's you're right. That's fine. I I accept that. It seems like there's some things. There. Okay. Um, and just in general, Straczynski as an interesting creator, because I mean, like he's made a bunch of comics I hated. <laughs> he's made the most hated comic book in history. What? He was What's a, that? Which one? He, Holy Terror. Uh, I thought, he wrote I one thought... more. Which one? No, he wrote one more day. I don't even know that one. One more day. The comic book, or the most hated comic book in history, where Spider-Man, where oh, Joe Quesada made yes. Straczynski write it, where Spider-Man goes to the devil and makes him nullify his marriage, marriage. to Mary yes. Jane Watson. Right. Uh, okay. So yeah. yeah, so he wrote that. Yeah, and I mean it's controversial. So he's had an interesting. Yeah. He's an interesting creator. Not like not as obviously he's not in the heights of Ronald D. E. Moore. Well, but as a person, he's pretty interesting, and he's friends with like Neil Gaiman and these sort of pivotal things. So well, it's not—it's f- made by a voice, I think, is what I'm trying to say. Right. Not like some suit. Oh, there's definitely like a, a whole thought behind. I to mean, me, it looks yeah. awful. There, a- it the I don't like the character designs; they're off-putting. The uniforms look generic. The sets look like it looked like a 1990s mall. <laughs> so I mean, f- just from the pictures that I've seen. So <laughs> if you're a fan of this show. It's kind of a hard sell. So if you can call in and give us shed some light on the 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 Babylon Five mystery, we we would appreciate it. Yeah, we should almost uh, if we do open the piggy bank at some point, we <laughs> yeah. might even actually yeah, do it. Be behind oh, the paywall. Or are you gonna face? Uh, are you gonna force us to watch Babylon? No, 5? no, 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 <laughs> yeah. no, no. I'm just yeah. I we'll just take money. The, I want to hear the case from a from a Deep Space Nine fan. I don't want to hear about somebody who doesn't like Deep Space Nine. If you're listening to this show. There's a good chance you like Deep Space Nine, and I want to hear from you. I don't want to hear from some Babylon mm-hmm. Five fan that's coming into like our uh, get off my lawn, you know? No, 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 coming yeah. into my house, right? <laughs> and telling me I'm an asshole. Well, well it would be like us watching the pilot, and it would be, uh, and they'd have to pay for the privilege to vote. We'll, they'd we'll have see. to pay for the we'll, privilege we'll, to yeah, vote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see we how might, things go. We'll see. Yeah, that 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 there's some yeah. that's rife uh, territory right there. Yeah. All right. Okay. I almost went on a long, a long rant about uh, the 64-page treatment to Alan Moore's Young Bloods reboot <laughs> that I read 20 years ago, but I, I won't go on. It's like any writer should read that reboot proposal that he wrote. Now that you mentioned that, Jim Lee's listening to this podcast and trying to figure out a way to work that into current DC continuity. <laughs> Jim Lee's like, I gotta get hell. I gotta get my hands on that treatment. We gotta figure out. I don't care if Dan died. It was sleep and wake him up. <laughs> yeah. We call Rob Liefeld. We offer him. Right. <laughs> like, whatever. He owes me a favor. Yeah. <laughs> I drew about a thousand feet for him back in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> I need to. All right. Sorry, Wade. Go on. Oh, no. We're, we're, yeah. we're, this could clear, go off the rails real we quick. Could do, yeah. We could just do an hour on Rob Liefeld right, jokes. Right. <laughs> right. That's a whole new, That's our new podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Brought you by Casper Mattresses. So, yes. yeah, what else you got? Okay, we're, we're going... Rob Liefeld's free podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Rob Liefeld's free podcast. You mean, you, yeah, okay. it's one of those ones you don't have to pay for, people. <laughs> <laughs> also with weird and problematic representations of women. <laughs> yeah, the parallels between Rob, Rob Liefeld and Bill O'Reilly. Oh, oh well. The, uh, not I, that. I think that's probably not even fair towards Rob, Rob Liefeld. Liefeld. Yeah, he's not that bad. You're right. He's just he's a dumb bro. I mean, he's really smart if he's listening, but he's a dumb bro. <laughs> Fuck you, Rob Liefeld. As a Rob Liefeld, if you're listening, I think you're shit. Yeah, he's not. So yeah, you're right. <laughs> Fuck that guy. 
Uh, but he, you're, he's used to hearing that. Everybody thinks he's shit. Yeah, I know. Uh, That's kind of cute about him. Yeah. All right, and here we go. We got a voicemail here that was sent in by Austin. We talked to Austin before. He talked about Dragon Ball Z and whatnot. And then I talked to... Anyways, I like Dragon Ball Z. I watch it. Yeah, I'm Austin. reading the Dragon Ball manga right now. Oh, okay. The first one, and I'm really enjoying it. It's super weird and probably inappropriate. <laughs> well, there's a Hitler, right? Hitler's a character, and right? Maybe at one point, about? but not at where I'm at. Okay. Or like a little Hitler, like a little. I don't like, know. It, it, it is. It's like I don't know if I should have this in my like. I oscillate from like, <laughs> should I have this in my house or should? Oh, oh it's it, weird. Well, like, it's like yeah. there's a 16 year old girl, and you know, there's a character constantly like trying to get her panties. <laughs> it's, it's, it yeah, sounds very Japanese. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. It's ja- but. I think Bomo Bulma, yeah, and Bulma, yeah. I'm like, oh, how is this wildly popular thing so overtly inappropriate? It's weird. Um, yeah. All right. Well, anyway, I don't think that's not exactly what uh, Austin talked about the last. And that's time. not a ringing. That's not me endorsing Dragon Ball. It's just like I enjoy the action aspect oh, oh. of it, but the weirdness. I'm All like, right. yeah. Sorry. I don't. I don't. I don't. You, I, we, I'm we, you a lot we, to cut out now. <laughs> I, I don't think he talks about we, Dragon Balls at all in this. We, as a podcast, denounce any anyone statutorily looking for for young girls' right. panties. Yes, and, and any artwork that glorifies that pursuit. Right. Agreed. I think we can all come together <laughs> on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. A lot of this might get cut. <laughs> uh, I right. We just cut well, all that shit out. I'm sorry, guys. My bad. And mm. we we'll see how much it gets cut because uh, that's a long episode. Yeah, yeah. The, well, I mean, we've, all right, let's just play the damn thing. What's up, guys? Uh, it's Austin again. Uh, you may remember me as the Rambler from a few weeks ago. And just to clarify, I'm a Chicagoan, a happy Chicagoan, currently living in New York. So that was... I uh, just want to say I appreciate you playing my call, guys, although I uh, don't blame you at all for uh, not originally playing it the first time. Uh, I had no hard feelings after I heard everyone else's call. I was like, wow, man, you're really a... Uh, belligerent slob so i thought you guys made a good choice not playing it but thanks for playing it my friends got a real kick out of hearing it um although i don't think they will still ever uh, watch deep space nine um pretty much uh, i'm just calling in guys to say uh hang in there <laughs> you guys are kind of having kind of struggling uh keeping interest i won't say for all our sake guys just hang in there keep your eyes on the prize uh and just think about what's to come in the future guys there's a lot of fun stuff we're gonna you're gonna be able to cover uh just to name a few you get to say the word coast emojin which is one of the uh really just rolls <laughs> off the tongue uh you know there's certain characters introduced uh, i'm not gonna say the big ones it's gonna Damar, he's cool, right? Damar ends up being a pretty cool character. Um, also say, you know, I can't speak for all fans, but I don't really think anyone's going to be too mad if you have to uh, kind of consolidate two kind of stinker episodes into one podcast as long as we can get away from the filler into the killer. Um, but that's just my take. I don't think anyone will be mad if you consolidate a couple of bummer episodes. But, uh, yeah, I also want to just talk about one thing. Um uh, your podcast helped me realize, which was a shocker to even myself, and that's how awesome Dax is. What? And on my first watch through of Deep Space Nine, I was just instantly, instantly loved Kira. 
She's like super spunky, like underdog, started from the bottom, now she's here kind of vibe. Uh, this is Drake. You know, she's like unhinged, kind of just like a real real spunky, tell it like it is character. And I identify with all that, really, really liked that. And I still feel that way, but hearing you guys talk about Dax, I know you're a little on the fence about her, but I was like, something struck. I was like, and I'm kind of re I'm re like, uh, rewatching it along with you guys, although I do skip some episodes, but I'm like, Dax is really incredible. Um, so, like, first of all, she's the most positive character on the show. She never kind of loses her positivity, which usually makes her kind of like a milk toast, kind of vanilla character. But uh, you can just, like, see this twinkle in Dax's eye that she's like, I've lived through the darkness and the beauty of many humanoid lifetimes, and I'm unafraid, and I'm going forward, and I'm positive, and I just... I mean, I really respect it. Uh, it's also, you know, kind of makes her living all those lives and still not losing her, uh, losing her kind of hopefulness. Kind of makes her one of the wisest characters on the show, maybe even a little wiser than those wormhole aliens because they're pretty clueless about some stuff, it seems like. But, yeah, so, so she's like this real pretty lady, but then she's also a genius scientist, and then she's also a warrior on par with Klingons. So it's like almost like a Superman level, but no worries, she has an edge. She's half uh, hard-drinking adventurer playboy Curzon. And if that's not enough edge for you, she's like one-eighth serial killer or something. So, I mean, <laughs> add to like that, you get the uh, got a pretty unexpected relationship coming up, and I think... It's a nuanced character, if you ask me. It's a nuanced character if I ever heard of one. Um, so, yeah, Dax, absolutely incredible lady. And feel free to cut this next part out, guys, because I know I'm probably getting up to or past that three-minute mark, but I know you've been talking about uh, other shows you'd like to do. And personally, The Wire, I think it's the best show of all time, but don't want you to alienate your fan base at all. So, obviously, nix that. I think let's just get it over with, guys. You know where it's going. Battlestar, baby. Just do Battlestar Galactica. You don't have to do the whole show, but yeah, Battlestar. Uh, kind of fits perfectly with Deep Space Nine, so let's just quit beating around the bush. Um, say what you want about the last season, guys, and I will, you know, all along the Watchtower, one of the dorkiest attempts to be cool, possibly of all time. I'll admit that, but the armchair philosopher in me, the sci-fi fanatic in me, uh, the kind of the concept of a cyclical nature from human to machine and back again just really tickles me pink. So I think you guys should talk about Battlestar. Um, and if not, if you don't feel like doing it, um, this one's kind of out of left field, but Ian Banks, Ian M. Banks, the uh, culture series. I know it's books, but you could kind of do a cool thing about the culture versus the Federation. I think it would make for a good episode. So um, that's it, guys. Take it easy. Um, yeah, you guys are the best. Uh, yeah, this is uh, one Cylon ready for re-download. <laughs> that is one hell of a sign-off you got there, Austin. I think <laughs> for you to have, that's coming pretty strong for you to come on, call in our show, and, and have your own sign-off already. <laughs> I think that, that's pretty that's pretty clever. I, I, I applaud My hat's off to you, sir. It's a baller move, man. I, I think there's a baller move. There's a there is a baller move. I hope he does it again. I hope next time he calls in, he's, he uses his own sign-off. Uh, there's a lot to unpack in that call. A couple things. Yeah, I think we're all, three of us are open to doing a special episode about, pro I mean, I 
I'd talk about the wire. <laughs> the only thing with that, the, the us talking about the wire is that we would all just talk about how great it is for an hour. And I don't know how interesting. Yeah. There's not a whole lot of analysis that you can get. Right. From, I feel like the wire is pretty covered in the critical. <laughs> right. Uh, well, yeah, it, we're not, yeah, we it can't is. bring anything it, it is. new to it. I don't think. Three white boys, too. <laughs> right. Yeah, let's right. talk about right. what the real problems of right. Baltimore are. That, that, is, uh, that is one of my podcast suggestions, which I was three white boys watch Tyler Perry. Like, I think, <laughs> right. like, that is probably I'm more comfortable with. Battlestar Galactica, I think since it's related with the Ronald D. Moore angle, yeah. I think that we could visit that mm-hmm. at some point as a single episode. And I would... Doff my hat to you for for suggesting it because I think that's a really good suggestion. That one actually yeah. does make sense. Yes, I, I think that's a really good idea. Yeah, yeah. The beginning of your voicemail. Um, <laughs> I appreciate but, the word, the kinds words of encouragement. Yeah, yeah. He's got a good voice. He's got a good uh, broadcasting voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, he should. Yeah. yeah. So he's got energy. Yeah, he's got yeah, any yeah, charisma yeah. that comes through. I'm not surprised that he tells his friends to listen. I hope they do listen to this this episode yeah. too. I mean, and I, 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 you know, it's a thing. Sometimes your favorite podcasts just get bogged down and they stop, especially for an episode review when that happens. You like, <laughs> like all you other deep, deep space <laughs> yeah, like I, podcasts. Hey, hey sh- sh- I don't want to. <laughs> there can be only one. We're like Highlanders up in here. Uh, <laughs> we will do every fucking yeah, episode. Yeah, but we are everyone. committed. We're not combining episodes. Uh, Kamal Nanjani did that with X Files. And first off, it's fun. Going on a long rant about when uh, we don't like them, it's almost there's a, more... there's a beauty in taking the long road. Yeah, yeah there's a you know, it's more of a journey yeah. sort of situation. Uh, well, we you know. have in the past for two parters, we have covered. I think we was it the Maquis that we did in one episode. Two parters are particularly hard because you can't make full right. like like I want to make a part. I want to make I want to bitch about this one scene, but it's clearly probably going to get paid off. Yeah, in the, you we're know, not, like, we're not gonna we're so. not gonna do any. We're not going to push things together because we don't want to talk about an episode we don't like. We're, we'll talk about things because we'll talk about one episode or a two-parter as one episode, possibly. Who knows how think this podcast thing that we're doing will shake out. But we're not going to just cop out because we don't want to do right. it. Right. I think maybe what the audience is picking up is my overall yeah. dissatisfaction <laughs> with science fiction and they're worried about i there have been times i've worried that maybe i don't like like i'm reassessing what i what i like and don't like about star trek and maybe i don't like star trek and but that doesn't mean that i mean i'm i'm in for the long haul if i decide i don't like it then it's just gonna happen right before your eyes and you get to watch <laughs> watch it unravel um, watch the decay right, right, you're gonna watch the decay we'll teach the controversy of your disinterest but in the... i don't think that's gonna and like i i think that's him just looking out for our well-being and and giving us permission as an audience member to to make it easier on ourselves but we're gluttons for punishment and we're gonna take those dogs uh one episode at a time and we get that there's probably multiple reasons to listen to our podcast and one of the things that we hope is that we that we're fun we're, we're friends and we like bickering and arguing with each other and hopefully that that's fun too i do get a little, little sense that like you know sometimes we you know we're picking on a like a favorite child you're listening to a deep space nine podcast that means you love deep space nine we do too but like <laughs> you get to ignore i don't know name name a shitty episode yeah, parts uh, one you and get two. to ignore <laughs> what ah! you shut the what? fuck up <laughs> <laughs> I was going to I was going to Meridian. say like Merid- Meridian uh, like <laughs> fascination yeah but we have to live with that and like move I was along fascin- home oh you like that well one. now wait a minute well I, that was great oh sorry sorry move that was a low home. blow I'm sorry I don't I don't like move along home I just don't think it rates as bad as Babel I think Babel's the low point 
of season one. I, Move Along Home has a room like yes. quality that we've covered. That makes it. All right. So I've almost wanted to watch it again. Yes, and Austin, your your Dax assessments is one hundred percent true. Uh, I think most of the time that we we talk about Dax, it's in the context of being under. Is I think, it? Yeah. yeah, we think that she's well, underused. That's the, she's criminally well, okay. underused, and and that's, he's making a character analysis, right? Of of that, uh, yeah. Dex is a great. I mean, I think I've stood up for more her more than you guys have. But his assertion that our podcast is what made him love that character. Like, have, have you been listening to our podcast? Big, I've been a big Dex. I've, I think like, it's because we shield. Okay, we hate as a pod. We hate. No, no don't say I that. Don't, do not. I don't. I do I've not. Been, do not. I've we, we as a James <laughs> yeah, hate Terry the Royal Farrell. James of we uh, the royal we of James. <laughs> I I do not. I like Terry Farrell very I, much. I do too. In fact, I think a lot of blame goes at the feet of the writers. I think I agree. But I've always said that I, my my frustration with Dax is that she should be super fucking interesting. And you can imagine like just a better like a I don't, uh, know. Well, I don't know. By the end with, of the season, I've actually liked like a Katie Sackhouse can it? Like I don't know. Well, I don't, well, that's the only one that came well, to mind. Well, it'll come. Mm-hmm. It's gonna come back up. We got a Dax centric episode coming up here at the end of season three. I'm sure we'll unpack a lot of this. It'll right. be something for us. Oh, that's to look that's, yeah. that's like months away from right. Right. I'm just saying this. it's it's coming up. <laughs> it's coming up in the season though. Is what I'm saying, Austin. Yeah. yeah I appreciate yeah. your sentiment and your call. And I hope that even though your friends don't watch every episode of Deep Space Nine, they still check in with us and <laughs> listen to every episode of yeah, us. Yeah, there's no reason that they can't listen to us. So yeah, yeah. All right. Well, and that's it. That's all we got for this episode. Uh, sorry for all that rambling I did up front at the top. I'm not going to do that now. I'm just going to tell you. Give us a call at nine one seven four zero eight three eight nine eight. Leave us a voicemail. Uh, give us an email at rulesofacquisitionpodcast at gmail.com. Check out James's uh, YouTube channel, Forever James's. Check out Crimes Against Humanities on Tumblr. And keep listening to the podcast and do all the other stuff that all the other podcasts tell you to do. You know the drill. And thanks for listening. All right, bye. Wait, no, uh, the other the other thing. Until next time, it's three to beam out. Do you know the cunt weasels that run this show have a call in line? where you can express your DS9 wishes and DS9 dreams into their ear holes. They will play them on air and try to be nice to you, because one day they hope to sell you Blue Apron snacks and underwear made out of Modal. The number is 917-408-3898. That number again is 917-408-3898. You will probably want to talk about how hot Dax and Bashir are. That is great. These pretentious asses also love it when people say they are wrong. So feel free to do that. James will probably go off on a knowingly obtuse rant about construction issues or political sophistication. We know you love that. Again 917-408-3898. Did you know that some Deep Space Nine podcasts have more reviews than us on iTunes? Doesn't that piss you off? Please review us on iTunes. We need to feel loved sometimes.